I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnerGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnerGeek.com show. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to the 81st episode of the 300 series of 2021 of June. I am Stephen, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. This numbering convention is very interesting. You know what? Just taken after the current tech structure. Uh, We've also got SP here. I am fired up to be here to show my face on our YouTube channel and to have my voice be heard over the Internet because it doesn't happen very often. You know, I was thinking about that. I I, I think that um, if there was one person that nobody wanted to hear or see, it would be myself. And then I think that if there's one person that everybody wanted to see, it would be Chris. And then if there's one person (laughs) that they wanted to hear talk them to sleep, it would be USP. Yeah, I often put on my podcast while I'm trying to go to sleep and it boom, puts me right out. Have you hit your head lately, Stephen? I just wanted to check on you because you sound like you're speaking crazy talk. That's every week on the Gonna Geek show for me. Thank you very much. So that's your show prep. You get a two by four and like go wham and slam your head into the two by four. No. The show he, prep. Yeah. What he does is he has his typical Molson breakfast, but he skips it for lunch. So he starts to get the, you know, the the withdrawal jitters right about showtime. So he's like really crazy and on and, and stuff like that. That's how he preps. That is how I prep. I, I always prep that way. Uh, you know, speaking of crazy things, uh, today after uh, work, I heard my wife decide that she was going to start playing Monopoly with the kids. Anyways, there's, <laughs> there was a lot of screaming. So like I said, my wife decided to play Monopoly with the kids because, you know, it's not a game of Monopoly until there's screaming involved. No, no. Happy Flag Day, by the way. I don't know what it's called up in Canada, June 14th. It's Flag Day here in the United States. There's a day for flags? Yeah, there is, hmm. actually. Uh-huh. So there's this whole ceremony that has to take place, usually takes place on Flag Day, of retiring old flags. Oh. And it usually ends up uh, burning them, but not in a bad way, in a ceremonious way. And then you have to bury the ashes or something like that. A lot of Boy Scouts used to do it, but I don't know if the Boy Scouts are still around. I, uh, You know what? I've just confused myself. <laughs> Happy Flag Day. Well, I I must have heard this along my my journey, but I must have forgotten. So Happy Flag Day. I didn't know this was the thing where I forgot. Well, I mean, that's because you live in Canada. All right, let's start off here with some news because SP is my Venus. He's my fire, my desire. Is that how the song goes? Not actually sure. Huh. Somebody look up the lyrics. <laughs> anyway. So what we're going to talk about here is that not one, but two space agencies are signing up now to not send one, not two, but three space probes to Venus. Now these are on man probes. So I put a 
Twitter uh, poll out on Twitter about what is the hottest news story of the week. Now, three of the options were crude, manned, or crude programs, spaceflight, whatever. One was this to Venus, and I put it like missions to Venus. And I think everybody thought, hey, we're sending somebody to Venus. That's not true. We're sending probes to Venus, not a crude mission. So just get that out of the way right off the bat. So here's what happened. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson announced on June 2nd, 2021, as part of the Discovery Exploration Program, that's NASA's Discovery Exploration Program, not Discovery Channel, or the Discovery Company, just making that clear, that two new missions to Venus, Da Vinci Plus and Veritas, beat competing missions to Jupiter's moon Io and Neptune's moon Triton, with launches expected between 2028 and 2030. Now, I got to interject here a little bit that I am disappointed that we're not going to get a mission to Triton or Io in the Discovery program anytime soon before 2030. But Venus is also a place to go to. We can talk about that a little bit later. Eight days later, on June 10th, the European Space Agency announced as part of its Comic Visions Cosmic, I believe it's Cosmic Vision program, its own mission to Venus called Envision to be launched in the early 2030s. These decisions were not related. That's what makes it so good, so great. The Da Vinci Plus and Veritas missions are each budgeted roughly at $500 million apiece and will be the first NASA pros sent to Venus since Magellan was launched by the space shuttle in 1989. And we talked about Magellan being the first space probe launched from the space shuttle in 1989. Matter of fact, it was the first probe that United States sent out to another planet in 11 years. Can you tell me a little bit more about Magellan? I, I've never heard of this before ever on any history of any podcast. When I'm speaking and you're editing the show, do you put earplugs in and you just let the SP, he's talking. Is, hey, that, you, is that what happens? Have you ever thought about doing like a space segment where you could educate us on these different probes and things like that? Maybe we should call it the Space Symposium. Matter of fact, uh, maybe we'll record one after we do this and then slip it in after the fact into Gonna Geek episode 365. I think it should be the Space Gymnasium. Hmm? Yeah. Well, we could change it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I I'll go ahead and I'll let you slip that probe right in. <laughs> <sighs> Moving on. Da Vinci Plus or the Deep atmosphere venus investigation of noble gases chemistry and imaging that's what da vinci stands for will send a probe into the planet's atmosphere measuring noble gases and other elements that can provide information on how its runaway greenhouse effect developed cameras on the descent probe will provide high resolution images of geological features known as tesserae that may be similar to earth's continents now, Veritas, or Venus em Emissivity, Radio Science, INSAR, Topography, and Spectrography, Spectroscopy, we'll just let that be, will map the planet from orbit using a synthetic aperture radar system. It will also search for infrared emissions that could help scientists determine if there is active volcanism. The ESA did not disclose the estimated cost of Envision, but under ESA's Cosmic Vision Framework of Science Missions, M-Class missions are intended to cost about 500 million euros, which translates into about 610 million U.S. dollars. Envision will orbit Venus using scientific instruments, including a sounder to investigate layers within the planet, 
spectrometers to analyze gases in Venus's atmosphere and compounds on its surface, a radar instrument to map the planet's surface, and a radio science experiment that will probe the planet's structure and gravity field. ESA has recently operated the Venus Express probe, which orbited Venus from 2005 to 2014. There's a couple other countries that are interested to send probes to Venus right now. It is literally a hot topic because despite some early successes of sending probes to Venus and landing for just a brief moment stuff because it can't survive on the Venus surface because it's so hot. We have sent, as a human race, some stuff over there. The Russians, actually, were the most successful. We really don't know a lot about it. We know a lot more about Mars because it's a lot more beneficial environment to probes and to rovers. And it is now considered, because we are considered to be in global warming and in the scientific communities, that the greenhouse effect in Venus was worth studying to help us understand what might be going on on our own planet as well. There might be life because Venus was assumed to have the same developmental path that Earth did. There might be life that had begun on Venus. And because of the upper regions of Venus's atmosphere are still temperate, there might be some bacteria floating up there, some sort of life form that is floating in the clouds. And they want to be able to see if life was either sustainable there or maybe began on Venus. So there's a whole bunch of reasons to go back to Venus. We haven't been there in quite some time. So the fact that we have three probes being sent to Venus by ESA and NASA over the next decade or so says a lot about how the scientific community really want to know more about it. So why I mourn the opportunities lost to go to Neptune and Jupiter, to go to Triton and Io. I am excited about this possibility, and so is the entire scientific community. I like this story because, all kidding aside, I don't know I was joking, like I made the joke about, oh, you should hear more about this. But I know you did talk about like the previous endeavors here, and they were a long time ago. And I kind of feel like, we're almost looking at space exploration through a different lens than than was during the era that we previously went. Like, seemed a lot of a lot of it was sort of checkmark based, and and I know there were scientific things that that came out of it. And every time you do the symposium, you tell about us all the learnings and whatnot. But I feel like with with the current situation with space and, and the lull that was there with some of our exploration. I, I think when we do missions like this, they feel more purposeful just because we're going back to somewhere that we could easily just write off and we go somewhere new, you know, send a probe somewhere new. I, I feel like it's good that we're not writing off Venus. It's very good that we're not writing off Venus. It is, there, there's only so many inner planets that we have. We have Mercury, which is basically toast right there next to the sun. You right. got Venus, you got Earth, and you got Mars. Between all the planets, Venus is most like Earth mm -hmm. than even Mars is. So it would be very interesting to compare and contrast between Venus and Earth. And yes, Venus is closer to the sun than the Earth is, but that might necessarily not be why it's such an inferno on the planet. It might have had uh, extreme volcanism that just 
lit up the planet and it just hasn't cooled down. Earth might have been that way in the past and, and it might be going that way now. Or maybe we can learn that Venus is cooling off right now. Or maybe it will never cool off. I don't know. But Venus is most like Earth in size and composition and the fact that it does have an atmosphere. And then you get beyond Mars and you get the asteroid belt and you get the gas giants. There's no other planets in the entire solar system that's more Earth-like than Venus. Right. Well, you know why Venus is so hot. It's because Suncast had a cooking accident there when he was on SNASA vacation. <laughs> it's just lit up, never cooled down since. That's why he's stationed on Mars again. We don't talk about that. There's uh, still an active uh, insurance claim on that. <laughs> so Suncast, whatever you were deep frying, don't do that on Mars. We don't want to catch it on fire, too. Nope. No. Yeah, that would be um, too Picardish. Too well, soon? Well, I look forward to finding out more about these trips that are upcoming to Venus. And three of them, apparently. Yep, three of them in the next 10 years. There's going to be a lot that happens between now and then. And uh, if the Gunna Geek show is still around in 2028, we'll talk about the launch. Yeah, in 2028. We'll talk about it on the Gunna Geek show, which will definitely be around in the year 2028. It'll be the used to geek show by then. <laughs> All right, what's going on from this Xbox Bethesda? Or Bethesda? Bethesda? Hey, I'm not going to throw any stones. I can't say scientific words. <laughs> Well, so we're in the midst of E3 right now, everyone. They did their kickoff event. I believe it was on Saturday. Oh, right. And yesterday afternoon, as soon as I was done recording all things good and nerdy, at one o'clock Eastern time, it was the Xbox Bethesda Games Showcase that Microsoft was putting on at E3. Why was it named the Xbox Bethesda one? Because Microsoft just spent $7.5 billion a few months back to buy Bethesda, so they're making use of the name recognition. I imagine next year it will just be the Xbox Games Showcase. But <laughs> if you are a fan of Xbox, the platform specifically, or even just gaming in general, this was a very interesting event to watch. They had a 90-minute event in which they showed off 30 different games coming to Xbox in the next couple years. And obviously, we don't have time right now to go through every single game that's coming out, but I wanted to come through and pull some highlights and say, hey, here's some stuff that we should keep an eye on because it's really interesting or it's a big get for Microsoft. And then I'll sum up some thoughts at the end as to how good I think this event was. First of all, we got our first taste of the game Starfield. It's something that Bethesda had been teasing for a couple years now. It was supposed to be, for lack of a better term, their next big RPG, but it was going to be set in space. We're in, in a space-based environment. In fact, one of the Bethesda developers or it might have been one of the VPs, I can't recall correctly, basically equated it to playing an RPG where you're Han Solo in space. That's the kind of look and feel they're going for. We got our first trailer that showed just cinematics, no in-game gameplay footage, anything like that. And as part of that trailer release, they did announce that Starfield will hit on November 11th, 2022 on Windows PC and Xbox Series consoles. Notice, I said PC and Xbox. This is the first of the games since the Bethesda acquisition that Microsoft has made console and platform exclusive. This is the first of the Bethesda games that has not been announced since the acquisition to be going to Sony's PlayStation 4 slash PlayStation 5 platform. Why do I bring this up? 
because it's a big deal. There were a lot of folks that were really worried and concerned when this acquisition came up that were PlayStation gamers that said, oh man, I was really looking forward to Starfield or I was looking forward to the next Elder Scrolls game when that comes out. I wonder if Microsoft's going to make those console exclusive to which many of us went, well, they spent $7.5 billion. I imagine they're going to do that. But Microsoft kind of cruelly dashed those people that had hope remaining that this was not going to be exclusive. So I think that was the bigger news story here. Not that we got our first trailer, but that Microsoft finally confirmed that this is going to be an exclusive title and the only way to play it is on Windows or Xbox. I got to say, I'm not a big fan of that from a consumer perspective. With that said, Sony has done this many, many times. So you know what? From, From that perspective, good on Microsoft for throwing some shots back. Well, and Microsoft has taken some sh- some heat in recent years, deservedly so, for not really having great exclusives on their platform. Whereas Sony and Nintendo have a lot of console exclusives or their own developed IPs that are pretty fun and engaging. I do have a question for you, Chris, and just want your opinion, because I know you don't have any available information on this. But do you think there's going to be a trend, maybe starting with this game, that it will be exclusive to a console, to the Xbox architecture, whatever, for a certain amount of time, say six months, nine months, a year, and then they will make it available on multiple consoles? So I doubt that will be the case with this one because games like this are what they deem as a system seller. It makes people buy into your ecosystem. And in Microsoft's case, subscribe to Game Pass because since it's a Microsoft-owned title, it's on Game Pass day one as part of the subscription. So... My guess is that won't be the case. And as we went through this event, Microsoft made a point of saying things that were console launch exclusive versus just console exclusive games. And this was deemed a console exclusive game when it was all said and done. So I would be very surprised if six, 12 months after the game came out, they went and put it out on one of these other systems, especially if they're not really tailoring it to do that, because I don't know how easy it is to take a PC or an Xbox game and then use the PS5 dev tools to convert it over to run well on that platform. That was a consideration I had, but I didn't know how far along the development path that they had gotten with multiple consoles before they made it exclusive. I'm just guessing maybe it was originally developed to be multi-console. I don't know. It's entirely possible, but it's also quite likely that when Microsoft, when the deal was becoming official, remember they worked this deal behind closed doors for like a year, year and a half before it actually happened that they already knew the writing was on the wall. It was focus on PC. And then in turn, if you're focusing on PC, it's not a difficult leap to then focus on Xbox because they tried to build those dev kits to work well with each other. Okay. We'll go through a couple other games that are interesting here. This is one that was really interesting to me. I had kind of forgotten about it until I saw the trailer, but there's a game called Back for Blood. And why do I bring this up? It's made by a lot of the developers that made the Left 4 Dead series. It was, I think, on Xbox 360, PS3, and PC side of the house. And if you're not familiar with those games, they're basically survival horror games where you team up with four people to survive zombie hordes and try and escape them. And they're incredibly popular. And to this day, there's still a lot of people that play them online and multiplayer. This is the successor to that series. And why I wanted to bring it up is Microsoft said, hey, uh, we have this on Game Pass on release day. So it's a third-party title that's on Game Pass at launch. So it continues what they've been doing with some of these other titles like Outriders and things like that, where it's an online co-op game and they they bring it into Game Pass and probably arguably get a lot of people to sign on and then 
want to play it themselves. And I apologize, I forgot to put the launch date in there, but it is this year that uh, Left for that Back for Blood comes out. This is what they need. They need some titles like this to really pad the uh, the Game Pass uh, model. Need need to get more people subscribing to it. Yes, and that's what a lot of this presentation was about. And I'll tell you at the end that most of these titles are coming to Game Pass and the number's kind of astounding. Uh, Next game up that I want to talk about, they announced an expansion to Sea of Thieves that was developed by Rare, which is owned by Microsoft. It's called A Pirate's Life. Well, why do I bring this up? Because Sea of Thieves came out, I want to say two or three years ago. It was a little shaky at launch, but they have kind of pivoted and through all of their free DLC they've added to it, turned it into a really robust and online thriving community. There's a lot of people that play it online. There's also a lot of people that stream it on Twitch and have interaction that way. So there's a very dedicated player base and they did announce a new update called A Pirate's Life. This free update is coming on June 22nd and is an add-on to the game that will feature new characters of the series such as Captain Jack Sparrow and Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean films. So they are bringing Captain Jack and a lot of the mythology from Pirates of the Caribbean into this game. They are doing like a story set in this world that allows you to interact with these characters. I don't know how much Microsoft paid Disney to make this happen, (laughs) but it sort of makes sense. While Pirates of the Caribbean may not be as popular as it was, say, five, ten years ago, there's still a lot of people, especially when you get to the 30 to 40 range who grew up watching those movies as teenagers and early 20 year olds that really have a lot of nostalgia for that. And now you're bringing these characters and they really enjoyed and making them part of a pirate game. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney was more on board with this than, than you originally think, because they know what Sony has been doing with the Spider-Man character as far as gameplay goes. And, and you know, that relationship while currently is in some form, we know during the, the most recent contract renewal, It's not the greatest relationship that Disney has with Sony over Spider-Man still. And so I I wouldn't be surprised if if I didn't see Disney put more and more of their characters on the Microsoft side of things to, you know, as a bit of a one-up of of Sony and their use of Spider-Man. I sort of also see them using this as a way to test the waters to see whether they can go back to the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and do something with it because they had kind of milked it down to its last drop at one point in time there. And if if enough people get interested, maybe they can make, oh, maybe there's a little bit more water we can wring out of this washcloth that is Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Fair, fair point. <laughs> but I'm cynical. So I don't know the video game landscape as well as I really want to. Disney has their own capability to make video games, right? I mean, they've done it with uh, Star Wars and Marvel, right? Well, they had their own. They shut down pretty much all of those studios when they acquired all of those properties and contracted it out to third-party developers. Hence okay. why EA has been making Star Wars games. And like they made Disney Infinity and they shut all that stuff down. So Disney doesn't have any in-house other than mobile games developers is my understanding now. Okay. So this is the opposite as we've seen on the screen versions of the film and the television versions where they're gobbling up everything. So they have all the IP. They, they now have this IP and they're just delving it out for others to develop. Seems like it. Okay. Uh, Next up in this series uh, or slate of things, and this did not close the show, which really surprised me. We got a trailer and a preview for halo infinite. And if you watched E3 last year, Halo Infinite's debut was widely panned because it didn't really look that good. 
Well, I think they took that to heart. Halo Infinite looked a lot nicer. They also did a deep, in-depth, deep dive into the Halo Infinite multiplayer, showing off new weapons, new features, new ways to kill people in the game, new armor. It looked fantastic. It looks like a lot of fun. But here's the key. Halo Infinite's multiplayer is free. Mm. If you have an Xbox, you can play Halo Infinite multiplayer and also have to have an online subscription to be able to play. So Xbox Live Gold. But you can then play Halo multiplayer for free. My guess is they'll probably do things similar to the Battle Pass system we've seen in Fortnite and Dead by Daylight, things like that, to keep people interested in playing the game and then kind of tease people into buying those Battle Passes, and that's how they can monetize it. And then Halo Infinite itself, we got a little bit of a storyline preview that seemed to indicate that Cortana's gone. We don't know exactly how that happened yet. And... It looked nice, and it comes to Game Pass day one. We, however, did not get an official release date. It's just holiday 2021. So so to be clear, the point in all of that is that you, you want to bring up surprise in the fact that a Microsoft property has gotten rid of Cortana. Is that is that the, the point here? I mean, <laughs> considering she was kind of instrumental to the plot of the last five games yeah, no microsoft scrubbing cortana even if it was unrelated no it, it, microsoft's yeah, like no it's the, gone get rid of the it joke all. does write itself there <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of interaction is six going to have with chief master chief in this like six is in cylon six or no. what do you i'm confused the halo six yeah the the well, halo what was it halo three he's, or four? he's the main character in this game, like he's been in the last five games. Sixes? Well, Spartan 117. I don't know who six is. I think we'll leave that one there. <laughs> I'm confused. I, I, I've never really played Halo other than multiplayer, uh, so I am also confused, but we'll, <laughs> somebody gets that. Uh, what do you got next there, Chris? So two more things to run through real quick. We'll power through them. They did announce, we all knew it was coming, Microsoft Flight Simulator coming to the consoles on July 27th. Where this is interesting is they promised to have, quote, the same level of depth and complexity as the PC counterpart, end quote. They did also announce a partnership with Paramount Studios around the launch of Top Gun Maverick to include a bunch of planes from the Top Gun series at that same point in time. So it's a weird little collaboration, but where this is really interesting is Flight Simulator has always been a pretty popular PC game for Microsoft. They've gotten a lot of credit, and duly so, for how they built Flight Simulator this time around with like real-time weather, real-time satellite info that's showing like cloud cover and using satellite imagery to depict what is on the ground, things like that. And the way they're describing it is it should be the same depth and complexity that comes over on the console. And it was sort of snuck out there that there will be flight peripherals coming out for the consoles too. So you could have your own joystick and throttle combos and foot pedals and things like that coming as well. Yeah, I I think that that's a must for Flight Simulator. Yes, after playing Star Wars Squadrons with a controller, I was like, man, I'd much rather be playing with the joystick on my PC, Mm -hmm. I think. I'd much rather be playing with a, you know, a, a, one of those in beds, you know, that goes straight in your head that Elon <laughs> Musk is go. making. I, I don't want a controller at all. I just want to think it and make it do it. You said that you wanted to be in bed with Elon Musk. Cool. Who wouldn't? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. And you know uh, what? So- He's going to be the richest man in the planet for like 11 minutes, but he will be. <laughs> yeah. When Jeff Bezos leaves. Uh 
last of the announcements, and I thought this was a gag at first, but they announced the Xbox mini fridge. It is modeled to look like the Series X coming in holiday 2021, and the trailer itself on it says, not a joke, this is real. So they are making a mini fridge, which kind of goes to the gag that was made that was, oh, the Xbox Series X looks like a door mini fridge. So Microsoft is embracing it, and they're releasing a refrigerator, and that just made me laugh. I kind of want it for my office. Uh, it's a smart. They should have done this a long time ago, right? Like, well, because, because remember, the thing is, though, like the, the target demographic of this would have scooped it up decades ago. Part of the promotion when the Series X was coming out was there was like 10 different YouTube influencers or whatever that were given like full size refrigerators modeled after the Series X. Oh, right. The design looked like it. They had a Series X inside. So they did their unboxing of the refrigerator to get to the Series X to do the unboxing of the console itself. Well, this is just the cheaper way to do it. <laughs> I wish it was a little bit bigger so I could use it as a wine cooler. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it looks like it only holds about six cans of whatever your chosen beverage is. Yeah. Be it a soda, tonic waters, bubbly waters, beer, who knows? Is it long enough to even put a monster in there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You might be able to. It's probably tall enough that you could put like four in there or something like that. Okay. It, it does not look like it's very big. It looks yeah. like it's one of those things that's kind of designed to go like underneath your gaming desk or whatever to hold like four to six cans of your chosen beverage so that you don't have to get up to go get a cold drink. I'll be honest. If this would actually hold wine, I would buy it. <laughs> no, we don't know the price either. So let's let's also keep in mind Microsoft could make the price something ridiculous. The, the, the price isn't an there. option for the man that's in bed with Elon Musk, okay? Yeah. That's a fair point. <laughs> I got that's a fair his point. credit card. You know, <laughs> hey, we're going to go on a little spending spree. So I mentioned at the top of this that Game Pass is the big play for Microsoft. We talked about it last year, how it was such a big deal that Microsoft first-party games were all going to be day one Game Pass games. So there were 30 games that were showing off as part of this showcase. 27 of those 30 are coming to Xbox Game Pass. So that's 27 games that will be added. Microsoft's trying to do like a major release each quarter, sprinkling with all these other games that come as part of your monthly subscription. So let's say you wanted to play like a third of those 10 games. That would be 600 bucks roughly because it'd be 60 times 10. They're kind of showing the value of your Game Pass subscription here where you have the current back catalog that's there, and then 30 new releases coming. This is crazy, guys. I'm super excited to see it. I, I think that it's awesome. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think that they're missing a big opportunity right now with the um, huge amount of, of backlog that is hardware for years to come, as we know, on the Microsoft and Sony side. I think that they obviously would prefer to get everybody to buy this round of consoles before they go and they create a really good cloud service because then people will double pay. Some people will. But I think that they just like this because Sony's going to be in the same problem that Microsoft is that this here, this whole thing was a big missed opportunity to just like go hard on the cloud service because there's a lot of people that would would sign up like that at, at a premium price even because they well, can't get a console. They can't get a console right now. That is coming out of beta, it was announced. And I didn't, it wasn't part of this event, but part of the pre E3 stuff that came out is Microsoft announced that they are going to be working with television makers to embed the xCloud service and televisions and also presumably making their own USB or uh, HDMI dongle that will plug into TVs that will be able to run the cloud streaming service. They're just not quite ready. And more importantly, 
that all of the uh, servers that are being used for xCloud are, have been upgraded to Series X devices instead of the One S devices it that's had good. been previously. So they are getting there. I agree with you. That's the problem. But one thing I also remember with all this Game Pass stuff is the vast majority of these games right now, like 95% of them, are cross-generation, meaning they'll play on the Series mm. line and the Xbox One line. So until you get to things uh, like some of the later announcements, like uh, the Bethesda game to kick things off, those are exclusive to the Series X. Everything else so far is playing on the Xbox One line of things. So it's really interesting to see where they're going with it. This is a great showcase. I was really interested. Some things to note. They didn't show off Avowed. They didn't show off the new Fable game. They left a lot of stuff on the table that people wanted to see, which means, holy crap, there's a lot more stuff that's going to be coming. And sort of makes sense because Microsoft owns, what, 30 development studios at this point in time that's now under the Xbox banner. It's really interesting to see. And to sum up all of this, there was a tweet that I saw that I think kind of encapsulates how a lot of people feel. And I sort of agreed with it. Andrew Crossley had said on Twitter, so for years, people complained that Xbox did not have enough exclusive games as the PlayStation has. Now they're building their library. People are upset they're exclusive to Xbox. I'm sure Xbox and PC players like me wanted to play Spider-Man, but we couldn't get used to it. Like I said, I, I've said it many times on here. And, you know, I used to be one of them. So I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Gamers, as a, as a generality, are unhappy people. Like that's just that's just the way that it is. That culture is, and unfortunately, I've long passed my days of gaming, and it was rooted back when I was a gamer. So they're unhappy people because they're sitting in their parents' basement playing a game. See, I didn't say dating. that. I didn't say that. I think that you, there's just been such a culture built around like gamers just wanting something very specific being so vocal and getting it in certain ways that there's there's like entitlement bred in so, in the fabric of the game community. Here's part of the problem you have with the community and just here's how I see it is I saw, I moderate two Xbox subreddits on Reddit so I see some incredibly toxic and insane stuff. And what it comes down to is there is a small chunk of people that feel like every time something comes up, they need to justify to themselves why they spent $500 on this on this plastic box with silicon inside. So they just have to be like, well, this is great because of that. And I couldn't get that on the PlayStation. So that's why I spent my $500. That's basically what all these arguments come down to. When you start reading it as, oh, you're just trying to make yourself feel better that you spent 600 bucks on this. <laughs> and, and that's why. And I understand to an extent. And at the same time, there's other people who reply, well, just get both. There's not a lot of people who are going to drop a grand on two consoles to be able to do that. But just let people enjoy what they like. The whole console warrior mentality really just needs to go away. Just play games and enjoy them. Yeah. I do have a question for you, and I don't mean this to be a big side, but I, I, I want to know now. So the Xbox Series X has been out for half a year now, give or take, right? Uh, six or seven months. I think it came out in November. How, if I was interested to try to get one, what is the best way to look for one and buy one now? So it's the same problem that Sony's been having with PS5s is they're tough to find. The easiest way right now is, I'll give you a couple different suggestions. There are some of the Xbox subreddits have their own Discord server that have inventory trackers on them where you can follow that inventory tracker and get notified. They have bots that'll notify you when things come in. On Twitter, if you follow at Wario64, He's really good about posting he, she, they, I don't know what they, I don't know their gender. 
so I apologize for gendering them, but they post anytime there's a game sale or deal of any kind of significance and anytime Xboxes or Playstations are in stock at, say, Walmart or Target or Best Buy, they tweet almost immediately when that happens. So if you turn on tweet notifications for Wario 64, that's a really easy way to do it. And then uh, just go on the subreddits because people will post things on there too. But Wario 64, I think right now is the simplest way to find that because I just saw yesterday probably four or five different tweets about Xboxes and Playstations being in stock and here's the direct link to go and order them. And luck. Oh, luck. Yeah, there's a lot of luck. The scalpers are still doing a bang up right. job of getting all the consoles and then trying to sell them for exorbitant fees. Yeah, that's how yeah. my brother managed to get his Xbox was he just happened to be on Reddit at like yep. something stupid, like two in the morning and and someone on, on a Canadian subreddit had said, hey, Best Buy has them or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's tough uh, right now. And the uh, the chip shortage is not helping things. I think Microsoft has had more availability and read into that what you will. Either it means that they have uh, not as much of a demand as Sony or Microsoft's done a better job of getting a higher number of consoles out there. I don't know what the answer is to that because neither Microsoft nor Sony are sharing how many consoles have been sold so far. I guess we'll talk at a different later date about if this is good or not for Sony and Microsoft, but thank you oh, very much not. for the inf- okay. It's thank not. you for thank you very much for the information. <laughs> I am not personally interested in in trying to find one, but say one of my kids if they said now that they wanted one for the holidays, then I would be interested to start to try to see to get one, but I'm not going to do the tickle me Elmo thing ever again. (laughs) Well, and as part of the pandemic, most places are not stocking them on shelves. They're only stocking them online and then allowing for store pickups. So that's taken one of those other methods people had, which was, Hey, I know the truck comes into target Mm. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I can go to target and see if any come off the truck. They're not selling them in store because they don't want the crowds coming in to be like, you got playstations. I need a playstation. Right. Fair enough. All right, well, moving on to the next news point here. It's looking like we might be seeing the end, the end of Windows 10, because rumors have been heating up over the last few weeks that Windows 11 is coming, and now it's looking like that is solidified. Oh, by the way, uh, winter is coming too, according to my show notes. Uh, Today, Therot.com reported that a Microsoft support document has been edited to say that Windows 10 Home and Pro will end support October 14th 2025. Now, up to this point, Microsoft has really not acknowledged the end of Windows 10 officially. Instead, they've mostly focused on ending support for specific versions of Windows 10. You know how twice a year you get the Windows 10 updates? Well, this is what they focused on. On on the list that I'm about to that I'm talking about right now, the document has said version whatever will end support as of certain date. And that's what's been on this document, well, website up until this point. But now I took a look at it and at the top banner, there is a spot that says just generalized Windows 10 Home and Pro start date, July 29th, 2015, retirement date, October 14th, 2025. Now, if this wasn't an indication in itself, there's an extra piece of information, an extra block at the top that says important Microsoft will continue to support at least one Windows 10 semi-annual channel until October 14th, 2025. That's that, you know, twice a year update that I just talked about. So 
If you haven't been following along, Microsoft has been rumored to be having an event. Well, they are having an event next week called, quote, Next Generation Windows, end quote, which at first was speculated about some of those big Windows 10 changes we had talked about a little while ago. But now the rumors and the promo videos that are coming out are indicating that it might actually be a full-on Windows 11 or whatever dumb Windows name comes because Microsoft is not known for a smart naming structure, not on Xbox, not on Windows. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think it looks like they're going to go with 11 based off of the promo, but I could also see them going with, it's the 11th edition of Windows, which is whatever. And it's not the 11th edition of Windows, but I could see I could see them doing that. So we'll see. At the moment, we really don't know, though, if Windows 11 does come out, what the upgrade path is going to be. Because if you recall, way back when Windows 10 launched, there was a huge push to get people on Windows 10 with free upgrades for a certain amount of time. You could upgrade upgrade from Windows XP upwards. You could get yourself a free upgrade to Windows 10. However, I think it was Windows XP. Anyways, there was free upgrades involved. They did officially retire the free upgrades a couple of years back, but there's been workarounds due to Microsoft's way that they built servers. So, you know, people have been using those and it's sort of been an unofficial free upgrade since then. So, I don't know. Will we see that this time? Will you have to pay? Go back a little bit of the way. I kind of wonder if we'll see them go a little bit more towards the Mac way, where you pay a a nominal fee, as opposed to um, the old Windows way, where it was a stupid amount of money. But whatever whatever upgrade path ends up happening, you can bet there'll still still be tons of corporations running Windows XP. Well, hopefully not tons in that regard, but It'll be interesting to see what they do. They did also cancel what was a Windows 10S that was supposed to be like the dual screen version of Windows. And we know they had their issues with Windows 8 going back to having like Windows RT at the same time. So they're not afraid to cancel things. I wager we're going to get a new Windows 11 of some kind with some kind of migration plan to try and get the vast majority of people there. It is curious to see them back away from their whole concept of Windows as a service. Maybe yeah. they can spin that it is still a service because they're basically going to say, hey, it's a free upgrade to anyone that meets these requirements on Windows 10. And we saw how easy it was hardware-wise to upgrade Windows 10 for old hardware. I would imagine Windows 11 probably going to be the same way to try and move people forward. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't live or die by the OS on my computer anymore. It's kind of interesting to see what happens. So eventually I'll upgrade to whatever it is probably. I'm still using Windows XP with uh, Internet Explorer as my browser. Uh, Good old Internet Explorer. I am excited to see what happens here because um, I've been a person that has in general embraced a lot of the new functions from Windows 8 upwards. Like, I actually still stand by the fact that I, I think that what they did with Windows 8 in the start menu was it was tough for people, but I actually think it was the right decision at the time. I think they missed the extra bridge between the two, but I, I think that that direction was a smart decision that they went with the, with the menu. Just It was too distant. So I, I have liked a lot of the new things they've done, but I feel like Windows 10 never settled at the new functions. Like you have your control panel still, but you have your settings panel. 
you have your sound panel, but you have your sound like program type thing. You have your apps and you have your programs like you have a, a, a clear division. And I think if Windows 11 will finally consult a lot of the consolidate a lot of these things, I think that it will be a good move. If we see it similar to Windows 10, where again, you still have that Windows of yesteryear combined with Windows of current, I, I think this might be too soon. We'll see. Just hope they work through bugs eventually that say you're doing an important task, like you're on a work call or you might be recording a podcast and all of a sudden stuff breaks in the middle of it, whether it's your audio drivers, your video drivers, and all of a sudden you can't do what you're supposed to do in the middle of like a live event, like right. a live recording or something like that. I, I just hope that in the future when they're doing upgrades, whether it's to an entirely new OS or just updates that they stop that crap because it's getting old. I I still don't really understand why why operate well, why Windows updates have to be the way that they are. I think that they're still structured very dated and I think that there's a lot of opportunity to have have them more courteous. Something like that. I'm I'm a little bit more peeved than than uh, what you verbalized there, but yeah, <laughs> I'm trying like to that. be nice, okay? Um, no, I, I I would like to cite Apple as having a good window or a good update structure for Mac OS, but I don't I've, I haven't had a Mac, so I can't say that. But I can't think of anybody I've ever talked about that has complained in the same way, which is why I'm well, I want to give them the benefit oh. of the doubt here because. Uh, while I've there, never used it, I don't know, Chris. You've got a MacBook. Like, do you do you have any problems doing updates? They're slow. Other than that, I mean, it's easy enough. It takes a while to download, and then the install process for their updates is longer than I would care for. Windows oh, okay. updates are pretty quick. Oh. There have been whole OS upgrades with the Mac architecture that have completely halted podcast production. Yeah, it, it can't. Be just podcasting. It's just what I've heard over the last five years. Fair point. And yes, I, I was referring more towards the day-to-day -day things because yes, so, uh, the, the major Mac updates have caused various issues. There are problems we've, I think we've talked about in the show before on backwards compatibility, depending on how far mm -hmm. you upgrade Mac OS is once you hit a certain point, then there's apps you can no longer run. And specifically, creators had a lot of problems with that, be it music creators, artists, things like that. That was, well, if I upgrade to this version of Mac OS, then this software that I've bought no longer works. And I'll have to go to either Adobe Cloud or buy it all over again, or it's just no longer supported because people stopped making it. So th there's a, there's a trade-off. Like Windows' legacy support for older applications is pretty good. You know, I have to say, um, when I got when I built my new computer last year, because of issues that I, I came across with my old computer when it died. Um, I, I have pretty much gotten in the habit of shutting it down almost every day. Like that, That's sort of been my my habit. And I like that because it it is a nice compromise for the updates because they're more often than not, not more often than not, but more often than I would think, I end up going to shut down and it says, do you want to update and shut down? And, and so I guess I never realized how much before it was either happening automatically in the background and running and doing it at inopportune times, or it was sitting there waiting to update. And so my sort of daily shutdown, I think, has made me update in a 
more convenient manner for myself because they're they're updating when I'm shutting down. I try to stick with that as well. But here's the problem with that. If you're running a backup service, you tend to want to do it in the middle of the night when you're not working on your machine. And your machine has to be on in order to run those backups. The other thing is if I'm doing some sort of complex edit, like a video edit with a lot of stuff going on, I would prefer just to keep that up overnight, save it before I leave, but just keep it up so then I don't have to run through the whole process of booting it up again, which takes a few minutes. I would like to shut the machine down. However, those two reasons keep it up all night. Yeah, my my backup is instant, so like that's generally fine with me. But um, I I can understand that with wanting to leave things running too. It, it took me a while to get used to it because I I was I was a twenty four seven guy, but then I started shutting things down. There's a guy at work, and this is a couple of years ago. There's a guy at work that fought to keep his machine up for like three or four years. He would not shut it down he's like if a process was stuck he'd try to find a way around it or whatever there was so much that he was missing from updates because he did not do the machine and it was completely against company policy too by the way that uh, it, it was just hilarious to watch him at the end We're like dude just reboot your machine oh no oh no i can't do that why to be honest, he's a little bit on the spectrum, so he was fixated on, I, I, I got to keep this running. Just reboot your machine. We're supposed to reboot the machine at work every day, so it's, it's no big deal for me at work. But here at home, it, with the backups and stuff, I, I had some issues with it. But it's just funny to watch some people try to fight it, and it's like you can only fight it so much, and then you're hurting yourself because you're not updating. Well, I look forward to seeing what comes anyways next week. Um, I am ready to move on from Windows 10. I've expressed that before and just so many weird quirks and hopefully a lot of those will be gone. But maybe it'll be another disaster. I've seen people saying, oh, this will be this will be the uh, what was Windows 7 to Vista. And people are like, wait, I thought Windows 10 was supposed to be be the. uh, be that of Windows uh, 7 or Windows 8. So anyways, I I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know either. I know I've used it for a while. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. I'm not like Chris. I'm not in the, the uh, have a toe in both architectures. Yeah, I, which, which uh, you know, for the right price, I absolutely would. But that right oh, price. Oh, I got the credit card. I got the credit card. <laughs> Let's do it right now. I'll order a bunch of machines right now. Mac Pros, here we come. All right. Well, that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to mention right here, right now, we had a lot of good conversation on those three topics, but we had a few other things that we wanted to quickly run down that we don't have time for to discuss, but we'd love to have you come discuss them with us in our Discord server. You can come to gunnageek.com slash Discord. It's been a crazy week in space, and SP had some things he was going to talk about. Chris had some Square Enix E3 news, but again, running late. And let's face it, Chris is going to have E3 news throughout the week. He is. It's true. Probably. And I wanted to acknowledge that our Prime Day tradition has been canceled because Prime Day is back, but it's delayed in Canada due to COVID reasons. 
And so uh, we will not have aligned prime days between Canada and the U.S. this year. It's not going to happen. So Lee. we won't be able to do our whole our, our whole gunna geek rundown of of things we shouldn't have bought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's interesting. So you might get some deals that we don't because products will have rolled out Maybe. after our prime day that you might have available. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't expect it, but um, they announced it in May, but now all the news was coming up. So, that, so I wanted to mention it this episode, but yeah, come to our discord, gunnageek.com slash discord. And uh, especially during prime day, you can come and you can make me jealous of all of these things because that's what I want is I want you to make me jealous. And also, by the way, while you're over there, but you should check out some of the other channels that are in there. We got a lot of cool topics that got a cool chat. I don't know why I said it that way, but we do. And you you should check that out because we sometimes have smart home chat. We have drone talk. We have all things good and nerdy talk about Willie. What? And uh, we also have amazing podcast talk as well. We need to ban Willie. <laughs> Before we go, is there anything that we'd like to plug or promote? Let's start with USP. Over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we started our coverage of Loki over on Disney+. Plus. It's a limited series, a six-episode series about Loki, and we've started that. And right after that, we'll go into Black Widow coverage. So it's it's going to be a fun summer. So catch that at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which you can find at getageek.com. Chris Farrell. Well, I guess I'll shamelessly self-promote and say, hey, if you want to hear me talk more about E3... Uh, tune in to next this upcoming episode of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. It'll be broadcast on Geeks.Live just like this. And I'm sure that myself and my co-host will be running down some more of the E3 news and events that have occurred. And I'll just go ahead and double tap the Discord server because I, I got to say, I think our smart home talk has kind of faded a little bit over the last little bit. And I'd like to see some people come over there and chat a little bit more about smart home stuff because we have a lot of people that have different smart home things. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, look at my home. I walk in and it wipes my butt. No, we don't need that. You, you, ha you just have what <laughs> I kind of want that. <laughs> That's what the three seashells are for. <laughs> no, it could just be something, something easy. Like, you know what? I got myself a new voice assistant or, or it could be like, Hey, I got a smart bulb. I just want to keep that conversation going. So come to gunnageek.com slash discord and talk about all of that there. Or maybe you've just recently purchased a Wi-Fi enabled range. That is not <laughs> smart. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So for episode number 381 of the Official Gonna Geek Show, I'm Steven saying, yep, Prime Day separation. So sad. I'm SP saying, I do not have any interest in trying to find an Xbox Series X right now because they made it so hard. I'm Chris, and I can't wait for WinOS 11 XYZ. <laughs> You know they're going to call it that now. I hope so. Oh, that's so Microsoft. I'll give them that for free. They don't even have to pay me anything. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. 
If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.